listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert Monk. Welcome in everyone, this is the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Today we are talking NFC North as part of our Exits Interviews series. Hope you're enjoying them. A couple left to go now, just tomorrow left where we will be talking NFC West. Lee's going to take a bit good care of you on tomorrow's podcast where we go through the Rams, the Seahawks, the 49ers and the Cardinals. But today is all about the North. It's about the Bears, the Vikings, the Packers and the Lions. Couple of good uh, guests on for today. We've got uh, Martin from Bear Down UK. Uh, we've got Paul uh, for the Vikings, and we've got Charlie Hawkins from the Ice Kicker Pod there for the Packers, and uh, Rob Wasteney um, for the Lions. So yeah, really good chat today. Some good uh, topics to to get through. Hope you're enjoying the, the podcasts. If you do at any point, please give us a review. Uh, subscribe tell your friends as well we'd love to have some more listeners uh, you can catch us on the twitter at full turn yards uh, and yeah any discussion anything you wanted to bring up or maybe you want to come on the show as well and talk about something uh, get in touch with us our dms are open but without any th- further ado we are going to get straight into it okay first up on the nfc uh, North podcast. We have the Chicago Bears, obviously uh, first in the NFC North, and to talk with us about all about the Chicago Bears' interesting season is uh, Martin from uh, at Bear Down UK. Martin, welcome onto the show. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, really good, really good season there for the Chicago Bears. First, uh, first in the NFC North, um, which I suppose, considering going into the season, they were they were everyone's favourite pick um, for maybe a sleeper and something someone to. to could be a bit of a dark horse for the Super Bowl run, which you know they were kind of proved to be right. But considering all the overhaul, uh, mine going into the season, obviously Matt Nagy coming over uh, from the Chiefs and all the different players in free agency on, on both sides of the ball, what what was the realistic uh, consensus going into the season on on kind of how they would perform? Uh, we, we got to kind of take a wee step back to 2017 and the John Fox mm. um, approach to kind of really kind of get there. It's it was kind of he was so scared of losing games that it was an ultra conservative approach and it didn't work. You know, everybody was scared of doing anything wrong. So anything less than a perfect performance and we'd lose. Um, we got completely swept by the division uh, last year and we only had five wins and four of them came against the AFC North, you know, so it was, it was bad front to back, you know, the handling of Trubisky, we just kind of, traded away to get him at number two Um, and he had pretty much no preseason reps worthy you know you you don't draft a number one quarterback to or number two quarterback to be a bench warmer when starters from other teams are playing and even then it was kind of you know Glennon was the guy to go forward Mm and we had virtually no recognised talent at wide receiver. I mean, Josh Bellamy, Don Charlinman, Marcus Wheaton and Kendall Wright, then they're not exactly names that you think of uh, wide receiver production. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it was quite de- depressing, you know, that the approach was desperate not to lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody that was reasonably healthy in the starter would always play. Um, so kind of moving on to this year, um, the expectation wasn't much more than we'd give the guys in our conference a fight, you know, in every game, rather than almost to be too scared to do anything. Mm. So, kind of, um, 
yeah, that, that was the expectation coming in. Mm. You know, seven and nine would have been good. Um, I don't think we really expected what actually did happen, though. Mm. No, no, like I say, 12 and four season, number three seed, uh, say, yeah, first in the NFC North. As, I suppose with, with Matt Nagy coming in and, and changing the philosophy kind of of the team, was it more invigorating, I suppose? Yeah, a lot of, th- a lot of things made sense. So, for instance, um, there were 12 players over the course of the season that were doubtful and not a single one of them played. Whereas last year they would have been played and kind of run into the ground. So it was kind of, you know, we have a squad for a reason. We believe in all of our players kind of affair rather than we don't believe everybody behind the starters would do anything. But um, the best lines for me were in pre-season where um, the starters um, pretty much had maybe two or three uh, drives in the first and second games and then they were pretty much rested from there on mm-hmm. um, over the last two or three seasons we'd been amongst the bottom two or three for injuries so this approach was actually quite good I thought that everything's focusing on week one rather than meaningless exhibitions yeah. so that, that was good but also everything was put in place from the moment Nagy was hired to um, make Trubisky's success mm. you know we had the offensive minded coach he bought in a quarterback coach that was pretty experienced. He bought an, an offensive coordinator who really wasn't, you know, because Nagy's call, calling the plays. And uh, Ryan Pace got weapons on offense, you know, to Alan Robertson and uh, Gabriel, you know, to help kind of develop our quarterback. And he went from probably below average to top 10, I guess, in the league this year, which... You know, the progress is good. Um, he's still not quite elite, but the signs are good that he might get there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so with, with all the pieces, obviously, you know, there was, there was a lot of chopping and changing uh, in the off-season with the Chicago Bears. Are you, are you surprised at how well they clicked or is it just a, a, a factor of Matt Nagy's style of offence in it, being able to, to utilise all the different pieces on there and, and use them and get the most out of them? Um, I, I'm not really surprised. I, I'm surprised at the results, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but the defense was good last year. Yeah, you know, it was, it was a top ten defense last year, and then he had Khalil Mack and um, Raquan Smith through the draft. Yeah, and all of a sudden, two of the larger holes or weaknesses in the defense are now strengths. You know, the linebacking core is very strong. Uh, the edge rushing, you know, Floyd has um, stepped his game up once he got rid of his. Um, once his injured hand recovered. Mm. Um, and Akeem Hicks, um, you know, just kind of elevated his game as well. Mm. So, you know, we, we went from nobody in the Pro Bowl to two All-Pro players, um, Mac and Eddie Jackson, five starters at the Pro Bowl. Again, Mac, Eddie Jackson, Carl Fuller, Akeem Hicks, actually that's four, sorry, I've missed somebody else. <laughs> Uh, but four to four defensive starters at the Pro Bowl, and another three defensive players as alternates: um, Raquan Smith, uh, Danny Trevath, and then Leonard Floyd. So going from where we were uh, to where we finished up, which is probably you know top or second defense in the NFL mm. um, that could hang with anybody, it seemed last year, um, was was an amazing transformation. Um, offensively, you know we we scored. 30 points on a number of occasions whereas last year we were just hopeful for 20 Mm, Um, but it's the it's kind of the culture in the locker room you know Um, I think the culture in the locker room with Fox was okay but I think Maggie's 
improved it a lot more since then, you know, made it fun for them to be playing, you know, so um, when we win, they've got kind of club dub, where they kind of like to go off in the locker room and they've got music playing, they all kind of dance. It's like a celebration that they've won, yeah. you know, rather than uh, the humans at the end of the day, you know, it's, yeah. um, it just seemed to work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just to just to give an overview of, of kind of the offense on defensive side, points against best in league, uh, averaging seventeen point seven um, points per game, best in the league uh, on, on defense. Then in points for ninth out of thirty two, which I think make many people uh, maybe over overlook, considering you know what they, maybe some some people's opinions of Trubisky, you know, it can be uh, quite polarizing, I suppose. But like yeah, like like you say, um, they've they've done. They've improved where they've needed to, and you say the defensive there, the the weaknesses are now the strengths. And on, on the offensive offensive side, Mitch Trubisky, uh, you know Matt Nagy's gotten the best out of all the pieces on that offense as well. So uh, have performed well. And when they don't perform uh, that that well, then they can they can rely on that on that defense. But let's look at look at the couple of the, uh, the couple of seasons. Uh, the, sorry, the games in the season. Obviously, opened up with that sickener against Green Bay. What was your what were your thoughts coming out of of that game? Because obviously the the late round of Cobb touchdown there. Bit of a bit of a sickener. Did, was it was it a case you you mentioned at the top of the program, the top of the segment that um, yeah you just wanted to compete and, and give everyone a battle. Was it more that that was achieved, or were you kind of um, a bit disappointed that the, you couldn't grind out the win in that one, regardless of what happened later um, on in the season? I think it was we were pretty dominant at the start, but went twenty points up, mm. um, and then from there it was a combination of. A kind of a young team together that didn't know quite how to, you know, see the win out. Mm. Um, c- combined with a couple of small errors that, um, instead of wrapping up the game, um, kind of gave chances to, for the Packers to win. So, for instance, Carl Fuller had the ball in two hands on the very last drive of the yeah. Packers. Yeah. He, he has that, we, we have the win, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and to, to be honest, at the end, I, the night I was gutted, but if you kind of look, kind of after that, it was, you know, we stood toe-to-toe in their place, yeah. you know, and were gutted that we didn't go back with a win, mm. which from where we'd been over the last kind of half a dozen years, you know, I'd have taken that before the game started. Yeah. Um, and it was just a sign of how good we were that, you know, you gutted that you didn't to get the win. No, and I, I suppose maybe that was utilised as motivation going forward because I think one of the highlights of the season in in the regular season was the uh, the pummeling of, of Seattle uh, just before the bye there. Um, that was obviously one of their one of the better performances. I know Seattle may be a, a different team earlier on in the season, but that, that, was, that was a standout game for, for you perhaps? Um, the Buccaneers, I think. Uh, yeah, that yeah, was the yeah. that was the complete game. You know, the, <clears throat> they they didn't have a sniff, and all three phases of the game played the best. Um, but of course, the probably the most memorable memorable game is uh, winning at home against the Packers. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, it's um, it, it's a monkey off our back, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I think beating an Aaron Rodgers. You know, fit Aaron Rodgers at Soldier Field was was something that we'd wanted for a while. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it wasn't done in a kind of we're hanging on way as a kind of, no, you know, we're, we're going to win strongly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, it was good. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, going, going through. So the last ten games, obviously went nine and one as well. So that's um, that, that's no mean feat as well. It's um, really really good execution there on both sides of the ball. Lost to two overtime games, including Miami, which was a strange game if I remember correctly. That was the one where there was some fumbles on on goal, goal lines and, and all the rest of it. That was I remember watching that game. Um, yeah, that was a weird one. We we were well on top, but we seemed to get gassed by the heat. I think more than anything. Yeah. Um, and with the secondary sloppy tackling and let Miami back. Yeah. yeah. Another another interesting stat as well from from Chicago's regular season. Only four, only four games where both teams uh, didn't commit a turnover as well, which is uh, quite unusual. I was looking back through some of the stats and uh, turnovers seem to be quite um, quite commonplace uh, in in Chicago games. I, I suppose that. Obviously, the defense—that's what—that's what you want. But um, on on offense, any any particular reason why you know uh, turnovers were were quite quite common? Um, I, I think I don't think they were quite as common, perhaps as uh, it felt. You know, the first six games or so, it felt like there were too many interceptions, and um, but but towards the end of the season, you know, we, we kept hold of the ball pretty well. I think. Um, you know, so I think Trubisky had problems initially with the intermediate left. You know, anything around there would probably sail on him and go over the receiver he's aiming at head. But he got better with that towards the end of the season. So uh, it's, it's learning. You know, the guy, I don't think under John Fox, he learned anything really. No. You know, so his first season, his rookie season wasn't even a you know, typical rookie season for a franchise quarterback. It was the fourth or fifth game before he saw any game time mm-hmm. um, whereas this year felt like more his rookie year <clears throat> excuse me um, so I, I think it's just part of the process and the fact that we were winning games whilst that was going on yeah. um, real testament to the defence I think yeah. and an- another another thing that I think will get overlooked a little bit in the Chicago season was had, had quite a number of players go down for like one or two games here or there. You know, Trubisky, um, you know, Chase Daniel came in and deputised for a couple of games there. A-Rob <clears> uh, went down for a couple of games. And I, I suppose that's a testament to to Matt Nagy and and how he's coached that team to, to kind of cover over those um, injuries where you've yeah. got players stepping up. Yeah, I mean, as I said, there's 12 players on the um, injury report is doubtful. Um, they weren't squad players, you know, it's Khalil Mack. Trubisky and Alan Robertson all missed time, you know, missed games. Um, and Nagy wasn't afraid of doing that, you know, whereas I think in the pre- previous regime they would have been kept being played, you know, and made the injuries worse and made their performances less. Mm. Um, but, but I think also schedule kind of helped us a wee bit when uh, Khalil Mack and Alan Robertson were out. I think we were playing teams that we kind of thought we could do well against without them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And did just want to just mention the backfield. Uh, Tariq Cohen obviously come to the fore this this season. His first team All Pro, for, by, if I remember correctly, uh, 4.5 yards per carry on the ground, uh, 71 receptions, five touchdowns, 725 yards as well. Is it is is this the the answer going into next year as well? Howard and, and Cohen being the kind of one-two punch, a la uh, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara in in New Orleans. I think so. I mean, you, you kind of hear on social media and blog posts that uh, Jordan Howard doesn't fit the offense, but he still nearly had a thousand yards rushing, mm. you know, considering that <clears throat> Tariq Cohen was getting more reps than he was. Um, but I, I think that's potentially going to be the way forward. It makes sense. Uh, and as they both learn the offense more, you know, they'll improve. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think the worst thing is that there's uh, rumors of Kareem Hunt potentially coming into the scene, but um, that'll sort itself out, I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just before we move on to to the the postseason, obviously the the, the game there, and obviously in the, going into twenty nineteen off season, a couple of other players that that came in uh, over over free agency and in the draft last year, uh, Trey Burton and Anthony Miller. Um, Anthony Miller seven seven touchdowns or thirty three receptions is quite. Uh, uh, an unsustainable rate, shall we say? And Trey Burton, obviously, big splash um, in the offseason. Quite a lot of hype around him. Is is it a case of? of I don't know if you play if you're a fantasy football uh, player, player, but um, yeah, a lot a lot was expected of Trey Burton. Did we get what we expected out of Trey Burton from a Chicago Bears fans' uh, perspective? Um, I don't know. I mean, he he was. Um, I think his his performance this year was comparable to. Um, Zach Ertz's second year in the league, where the numbers are fairly similar in terms of production, although um, Trey Burton had more touchdowns, six to three. Um, but I think that kind of his, his role is going to grow because I think last year he had 25% of Eagles snaps, and this year he's kind of like about 75, 80% of the Bears snaps. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's a, it's a larger kind of workload for him. Yeah. But it's also first year of the offense for everybody. You know, um, two new receivers, a new tight end. Um, it's it's going to take time for it all to gel, and it's it's good that um, you know he's still still got nearly six hundred yards receiving yeah. and six touchdowns. So, you know, it's not like it's a bad bad year for him. No. But I think the, the worst thing was um, the the injury the day before the playoff game. Yeah, because I think a large part of our offensive game plan revolved around him, mm. and as soon as that kind of happened, I think it took a lot, a lot of time for our offense to actually kind of um, figure out what they were doing. You know, yeah. so second half against the Eagles, um, we were a lot better than the first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a fair point. Yeah, Trey Burton. Yeah, the injury uh, there in the in the in the postseason game. How do obviously heartbreaking circumstances there against Philadelphia in the in the postseason. What did you obviously? It's, it's the first time in a while that the the Bears had been to to postseason. Just describe your reactions and your feelings, you know, during the game and get you going into it and then and coming out, because obviously they had been a bit of a roller coaster ride. Yeah, yeah. I think the the first half was odd. Uh, defense did what it always did. Got two takeaways and you know kept the Eagles out for the most part. Um, the the offense didn't really get going. Um, I'm not entirely sure why that. Well, I think it was because, you know, the Trey Burton late injury probably screwed a lot of the game plan that they've been practicing on. Yeah. But it took them a while to get going. But in the second half, they seemed to um, get there. But we just came up short, I guess. Um, on the plus side, it was a learning experience um, for, you know, Trubisky. That was his first playoff game yeah. and for a large part yeah. of our roster as well, you know. Yeah. But I think. They're all majority of starters are coming back next year yeah. on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, um, although I'd imagine our kicker probably isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Robbie Robbie Gould's also on the uh, probably probably available somewhere if they want to reconvene that that love affair. But uh, yeah, I'm, I suppose like we mentioned with the, the game in Week One against Green Bay, I, I suppose that loss in the first week in the playoffs can be used as, as a you know a carrot dangle or that, the motivation for next year to, could you know they've, they've had a taste of what it's like in with January football and might actually serve them well despite the the heartbreaking circumstances yeah I think there's been an awful lot of positives from the year so um, we, we narrowly lost to the Super Bowl champions um, we beat the runners-up by nine points you know and we 
or we almost swept the division, you know, rather than being swept by the rest of the division. So, yeah, certainly a positive season and good signs ahead, hopefully. Yeah, and then moving so moving on to next season, then uh, what what is is there any any particular areas you feel that the Chicago Bears need to improve, or is there any anything in particular areas that Matt Nagy might look to 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 bolster? Um, for the first time in many years, it's not a, not an off season where we have so many glaring holes to mm, fill. Mm. You know, so we can quite honestly get the best player available in the draft when yeah. we eventually pick. <laughs> and there's not many glaring holes where we have to, you know, get a high priced free agent in to become a starter. But we've got um, Adrian Amos and Bryce Callahan. Um, that are both becoming free agents. Um, so, any important, I think we can only probably afford one of them to come back, mm. um, which I'd imagine would be Adrian Amos because he's done pretty well working alongside Eddie Jackson. Um, and we'd have to then pick up uh, a nickel corner, you know. So, um, outside that kicker, I think we, we kind of already touched upon that um, Cody Parkey's gone, I think. Um, even though it probably costs us more to get rid of him than it would to actually keep him. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we probably need a wee bit of edge depth behind Mac and Floyd. Um, Aaron Lynch, a free agent signing last year, did okay, but I think as the season went on, he kind of wore down and produced less. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can never have too many offensive linemen, you know. No, no. So, even though we got the depth there, um, Carl Long is a is it is it probably a question mark? You know, he's on a big salary, but he's not been able to finish the season mm. for a long while. Yeah, no depth depth in the trenches is always something that uh, I think teams are, are searching for these this day in the NFL. So going into into next season, then come week one, what what would be the word you describe the, your expectations of Chicago? You know, you've you've got a division where. Minnesota are expected to perform better than they did this season. You know, Aaron Rodgers is always uh, a guy to watch in the NFL, let alone the, the NFC North uh, and Detroit, whilst they're not uh, having the best time of it at the moment. What what do you need to do in order to stay atop of the uh, NFC North? Just keep improving, you know, make sure that the culture is still right as it was this year. You know, keep it going, keep the work ethic as it is. I mean... We've also been pretty fortunate with injuries to an extent. Um, that's kind of out of our hands. But I think ultimately, you know, we've we got to be confident. We stood up with pretty much any team we faced um, and competed with everybody. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I say it's it's, it's always a hotly contested division. And say you know, gladly, uh, Chicago Bears are in the in the thick of it now. So um, yeah, we should be should be an interesting division, no doubt, next season. But thank you so much for coming on and, uh, yeah, I say all the best for, for next season. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Next up on the NFC North is the Minnesota Vikings and to break it all down for us, we have Paul Berryman, um, who a, a teammate of mine at the Dunfermline Kings. So, uh, Paul, welcome you on to the Full 10 Yards podcast. Thanks, Tim. How are you doing? Yeah, we're very well, my friend. Very well indeed. Um, quite an interesting team, Minnesota Vikings, uh, last season, weren't they? Uh, obviously, coming into the season, it was all about the, the Kirk Cousins talk and obviously his big contract. And, you know, obviously that was supposed to be putting them over the edge uh, in terms of, you know, considering how close they got the year before in 2017. What were your expectations for the Vikings coming into the season? I, I assume it would be a Super Bowl appearance. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly following on from 2017, like you say, there was there was massive hopes and expectations after that year. I was lucky enough to see them in London actually play the Browns um, when obviously Keenan was running a good show there and um, had quite a quite a tight lineup at the time. And it felt like we were going to continue that sort of success of 2017 into 2018. Unfortunately, it didn't really work out to plan. You know, we spent 84 million dollars on a guy who. Let's face it, didn't you know he hadn't really set the world alight before that. So I was, I was wary of such a large investment in a guy like I say that I didn't have major um, major hopes for. So I'd say it's probably panned out the way that a lot of Vikings fans almost expected it to, mm. in the sense that you know it was a it was a cagey first season. I mean, when you look at the stats, Cousins didn't do too badly in terms of his kind of passing stats and things like that. But at the end of the day, you spend that sort of money, you put that sort of investment in, you're really looking for bigger things than what we got. Mm -hmm. So to kind of like just kind of peter out at the end of the season, it was it was a bit disappointing. And, you know, it's it's not it's not filled me with loads of expectation for next year, but there's still going to be hopefully reasons to, to believe. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kirk Cousins, um, you know, his big, his big knock, especially when he was in Washington, was that he never won a big game or, you know, he, when it comes to the crunch time, he kind of crumbled, didn't he? Uh, obviously, yeah. one of the games against the Giants in, I think, uh, week 17 when, you know, it, it was a slam dunk. He didn't manage to, to get the job done. But, you know, 70% completion rate, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, you know, nearly just short of three, uh, 4,300 yards. Again, you know, it's not a, it's not a standout season, but it's, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a diabolical one. But part of the, part of the reason why... Uh, the Vikings struggle was, of course, that offensive line, uh, you know, coupled with Dalvin Cook going down uh, as well. Um, would you say that was the main the main factor in in the for the Vikings struggles? I think so. I mean, the O line is, is is definitely a major concern. I think 2017 success was built on a really strong defense. Probably, I think it was actually the best um, in the NFL. Um, 2017 certainly up there. So. So to look into 2018 and think, right, we're, we're doing quite well in defence. How are we going to cope with our new quarterback? Are we going to be able to protect him in the way that he needs protected? And the answer was was no. We just kind of fell short in a lot of games. Okay, the fixtures weren't that kind to us. We had to go um, sort of away from home to a lot of the, the big guns, a lot of the guys that were there, um, you know, towards the end of the, well, towards the Super Bowl, played both the Super Bowl uh, teams, actually, away from home. So it was kind of like, you know, if we're not going to, be able to protect this guy, we can't protect this big $84 million investment, then it's, it's worrying times. That's certainly where we're going to be looking to, to strengthen this year. In regards to, to Dalvin Cook, yeah, he had, he had a couple of bad injuries. Obviously, uh, the previous year was a, a more kind of serious one. It was his ACL. This year was kind of more of his kind of hamstring problems, which which dominated. And it was a shame because we've seen little, little, little kind of uh, signs that he could just be he could be the running back that the Vikings need um, one that we've not really had with the likes of Murray and uh, guys like that so it's it's unfortunate that he wasn't able to keep injury free for for longer but if he can if he can get through these worries then we've, we've certainly still got a really good strong running back on our hands yeah no no I certainly agree yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you put a good point on there. Obviously, the, some of the away games, I know you got to travel to Green Bay every year and, and Chicago as well, but, you know, traveling to teams like Seattle, New England, uh, Philadelphia and the, and the Rams as well, you know, you're not going to, you know, most seasons, you're not going to get many uh, Ws in the column there, are you? Definitely not. And, you know, when you look at, when you compare that to 
the Bears, who I think they played the same teams, but obviously at Soldier Field. So, yeah, you can say that's an excuse, but at the end of the day, these these are hard places to go and get to get wins. Mm. Um, so we we didn't we didn't have the team to be able to to go to these sort of places and come away with the right result. Whereas the Bears obviously strengthened massively from their previous season. Um, you know, really strong defense, and we're able to play these teams at home and, and get good results. So that's obviously why they were the deserved winners in that division. Uh, but I'm just glad that we were able to kind of push them as well as we did in the end, because it looked like at one point it was touch and go between us and Green Bay to who would finish second. So I'm glad that we made it. But like you say, we've we've got to strengthen up in, in uh, both sides of the field to, to push the Bears next year. Yeah, absolutely. And I say, in Minnesota, we're kind of in the mix for the whole season, despite the the loss to the mighty Buffalo in in, in week three, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean it come down to the last game, didn't it? If the, if you beat the Bears, you'd have been, you'd have been in the in the playoffs. I'm, I'm pretty certain of that, if I remember correctly. But and we would have we've had to play them again. I think I think that's the way yeah. it was going to work out. Is that had we beat the Bears um, on that day, then we would have ended up playing them again. I think mm. in the playoffs or something like that. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't to be in. You know, just going back to your earlier point about Cousins when he was kind of at the Redskins and, you know, just kind of falling short. The, the last thing that the Vikings want is someone that just falls short because that's obviously a, a running theme that the Vikings have had for, for many years is that we've just not been able to get over the line. I mean, in 2017, we obviously had a great opportunity to, to play the Super Bowl at our home ground and yeah. it, it never happened, which yeah. was quite heartbreaking for, for a lot of the, the guys that obviously followed the team for for many decades so it's it feels like that was a real missed opportunity especially after the kind of Minneapolis miracle and all that you know sort of good jazz so this year we didn't really have any highs like that we had a good solid season but but nothing majorly to cheat about at the end no and I say when going into the week 10 bye you put yourself in a decent position at 5-3-1 and one, but I think the the stat that breaks it down perfectly for I think Minnesota uh, last season was they only con- they only converted twenty six percent of their third downs, which you know kind of attributes to the the offensive line, but also you know kind of their, their struggles on offense, which obviously led to to De Filippo being uh, fired of uh, offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's it. And it's I mean I went through a point of thinking is this guy just being made a scapegoat for the fact that we're having a quite a tough first season with, with Cousins at mm-hmm. the helm. Yeah. But then as as time went on and I kind of looked at the way um, that things kind of changed after his departure, then I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe this is the right thing to do. We've kind of steadied the ship now with um, with Kevin coming in and kind of looking at things. I think that's the sort of guy that, you know, it's just it's just went back to basics. He's not doing, he didn't do anything fantastically different, nothing amazingly new. But what he did do is just bring all of his experience of working with the team and just say, right, let's just do things the right way for a while and see if we can kind of steady the tide. And that's that's kind of what happened. Mm. And we were able to get wins out of that. So something's obviously working with that change. Yeah, and another another thing I just wanted to, to get your opinion on is, of course, uh, Adam Thielen. I think it's fair to say he, he's had a, a season of two halves, hasn't he? Obviously set the record first eight games with the... You know, 100 receiving yards in each of the games. I think equally in you know, Kevin Johnson's record, one of them, and certainly um, to start the season, the first eight games I think was was up there with uh, you know the best of best of all time. But second second half of the season, kind of just it just fell off the radar. I mean, first first uh, seven games had double digit targets, but only you know, two of the last nine games he, he had double digit targets. Any any particular reason for that? Because obviously we saw on the sideline in, in one or two games his discontent with with Kirk Cousins and maybe the the offensive play calling in general yeah there was that kind of um 
infamous moment when they were having quite a heated uh, discussion, shall we say, on the sidelines. But I mean, before a long time before that, I mean, it's probably worth saying that he's. Adam Thielen has just had his best season yeah. in the Vikings jersey. So, yeah. um, although it does seem a bit sort of a season of two halves, he he did kind of rack up, like you say, um, nearly fourteen hundred uh, yards and nine touchdowns, I think it was. And like you say, he had that record of the eight straight hundred yard game. So it it's not it's not a bad season, but why as to why he wasn't able to continue that on right to the end, I really don't know. Mm. It just kind of felt like it just. He just wasn't going to quite get there amongst the other kind of top performing wide receivers in in the NFL. It was he, he started to drift away from from some of the top guys, and there wasn't really a, a, any kind of reason for it other than maybe he wasn't seeing eye to eye with with Cousins towards the end as the pressure kind of mounted up, and we you know tried to push for those kind of playoff places. It all just sort of started to rattle around a bit in the offense, and I think that. I wouldn't say that it's anything particularly that, that Adam Thielen's done. It's maybe just that Cousins wasn't quite targeting him as much as he was maybe in, uh, in the first half of the season, or he wasn't able to because of that weak O-line. Mm. Yeah, just to mention on Adam Thielen, yeah, career highs in, in targets up with 153, 113 receptions also a season high, and like you say, they're 1,373 yards and the nine touchdowns as well. But is he, uh, obviously last season as well was the, was the year Stefan Diggs got his huge uh, contract extension. Are we going to see something similar this year or this off-season for Adam Thielen? Or are we, you know, is that how you see it playing out? Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be honest, Adam Thielen probably is my favourite Viking player. Um, and the, the, the pairing that they have, the two of them, Diggs and Thielen, it's, it, it works really well. I think it probably is the best two wide receivers that the Vikings have had, um, certainly since Carter and Moss way back, you know, when. So it's kind of, it's it's a it's a good it's a good combination. It works, and when the, when these guys are kind of firing as as they can do, then the team do remarkably well, and they're really exciting team to watch. So. I expect that to continue into next season. We just need to, like I say, we need to protect Cousins and get the ball out to these guys so they can do what they do so well. Mm. Yeah, of course, the one thing that, that Minnesota need to negotiate will be the uh, the salary cap because there's quite a lot of people um, you know, coming up for contracts. If you like Sheldon Richardson, a defensive tackle, Anthony Barr, a linebacker, um, yeah, they're going to have to... They're going to have to kind of juggle it a little bit to, to if they yeah. want to accommodate Adam Thielen uh, as well. Do you, do you expect a couple of casualties maybe on defence? or? Yeah, well, um, certainly um, in terms of those two guys that you mentioned, I think they, they will go. I mean, I, th- I think that the, the team have been looking to, to kind of offload Bar um, maybe last year or a year before. So it's maybe, I don't know why it didn't happen, but so it's... It's it's probably likely that those guys, um, Richardson and Barr, will be on their way out. Uh, uh, as for anyone else that's notable that could be following them, can't think of any of any other guys that, that kind of stick out in my mind. But certainly those two will be will be targeted to to, to kind of make their their way out of the team. I think to make room for for some new blood. Mm. Well, of course, don't don't forget you've got super super quarterback Trevor Simeon as well as an un, unrestricted free agent as well. So I'm sure he'll be he'll be yeah. a massive loss if he if he walks out of the yeah. exit door uh, as well. But that leads us that leads us quite nicely onto the off season. So uh, you know another another name actually as well, Daniel Hunter is a name that I've learned this season. Probably a name that most people have learned because he's obviously had a, had a fantastic season. Uh, just a note on him as well: 14 and a half sacks. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of off-season acquisitions, I suppose due to due to the the salary cap of the Vikings, which isn't you know in great shape, do we do we expect much in the way of incoming through free agency, or is it just going to be draft? 
Um, it feels like it's just going to be going to be draft, I and mean, we've got the. I think we've got nine picks in the draft this year due to those um, kind of dealings that we did in previous in previous times. So it's 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 looking like we'll we'll target some some new blood in there, but it's going to have to be it's going to have to be quality over quantity, no matter who comes in. Yeah. Simply because of the season that we've just had, there won't be too many fans um, in Minnesota that are looking for. Just, just numbers for numbers' sake. It's got to be the right guys, and it's got to be the guys that can, that, like I say, can can protect Cousins. Uh, Defense-wise, we're still we're still pretty good. I mean, there wasn't any um, major problems defense-wise, other than like I say, having maybe a couple of players that need to need to make their way out. But I think in the draft, I'm just looking forward to to seeing what kind of offensive talent that we can get. Maybe potentially, uh, you know, a kind of a third star wide receiver if that's possible maybe just as a kind of backup to the two guys that we've we previously mentioned as being the, the top two but it's got to be o-line it's got to be o-line all the way and uh, i've been i've been watching the the combine with, with enthusiastic eyes to see if there's any guys that kind of pop up as potentials but it's one of those areas i think i think there'll be plenty to choose from in that department so i'm not overly worried it's, it's really it's quite easy what the vikings have to do in the draft i'm, I'm not worried it's not like we're going to go out and try and get the next big quarterback because unfortunately yeah. we've got an expensive one that we keep for a while. So. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And um, so, what? Uh, like I said, just mentioned on the Viking salary cap as well, five million effectively, um, which obviously you're not going to be able to do too much there with the, some of, maybe some of the names that are on the free agency list. But going, in, going into next season, I suppose it's just about going back and and making a push for you know at the very least a wild card position in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. I think, and I think that's well within capability. There's, there's no reason to to not believe that they can't that make that extra kind of hurdle where they where they fell kind of fell down this time. And I think that, like I say, if if we can give give Kirk Cousins the time that he needs to make the right plays, then we're gonna we're gonna do well. We're gonna. It looks like we're probably gonna have a slightly easier fixture run as well than yeah. we've had last season. Last season was was a real tough mm. gig. Um, I think we had. At one point, we had maybe three away games, and it was uh, kind of Rams, Seahawks, and, and Bears all on one go. And it was, it was just, it was just really, it felt like really hard going on on the team in the sense that they were they weren't able to come out of that with with good results and then kind of push on. Whereas I think this year will be slightly different. I think we'll have a a kinder run of of games, which will propel us into the, a stronger position at the, the kind of end of the season. Mm. Yeah, I say division division winner schedule is always pretty difficult, but hopefully you won't have to uh, face the Bills next year either. So we'll, I'll, I'll keep. <laughs> so Absolutely, that, that, was, that was a funny one, but yeah. we'll uh, not mention that again. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll we'll gloss over that one. Um, if you want to get in touch with uh, Paul Berryman on Twitter, it's at Paolo Berry, and that will be uh, you. You can find it there on the tweets there for the podcasts. Um, Paul, thank you so much for for joining us and, and talking Minnesota Vikings, and best luck for for the new season. Thanks, Tim. Pleasure. Okay, next up for the NFC North is the Green Bay Packers, and we're delighted to be to be joined by Charlie Hawkins from the Ice the Kicker Pod. Charlie, welcome you in to talk Green Bay. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. Real pleasure here to talk about Green Bay and come on the pod. So thank you. Yeah, uh, do you maybe just want to have a, have a quick uh, thirty seconds or so just talk about your pod, Ice the Kicker Pod? Yeah, so basically, me and Tom we co-host Ice the Kicker Pod, and it's just 
basically, rather than a specialist pod and a, to talk about a specialist team, we give a sprinkle of NFL news, trying to give the UK fans their voice and have their ideas and their debates heard over the podcast whilst trying to get what's going on at your team discussed. Mm, nice. Nice. And so we are here to obviously talk about Green Bay. Um, we start off from the beginning, going into the season, uh, Charlie. Uh, with Green Bay, it comes with Aaron Rodgers. It comes with you know the kind of Lambeau Field and, and you know the uh, the star-studded history, if you like. It's always expected Green Bay should make should be making uh, deep playoff runs, which is not really something they've done over the last uh, couple of years, really. Um, if you if you had one word to describe Green Bay season last year, what, what would you go for? Disappointing. I, I mean, I can only be honest. Yeah, the the pressure and the history that comes with playing for the Green Bay Packers and and supporting it is is massive. And you know, you talk about uh, the last couple of years haven't been that great, but prior to that, nine years on the spin, we we were we were in the playoffs. So yeah. this two years has been hard and it's felt very long. But I think it was almost needed. It's a, a soft reboot, I like to call it. a soft reset was needed rather than a completely restructuring. Mm. The roster hasn't been where it's needed to be to compete for division titles, let alone for the playoffs. And now that the like you said, the Rodgers and a few other star players sort of papering over the cracks. But we have, we have a few big holes and uh, we needed this time to really step away. We've got great draft picks and draft capital coming up, but mm. uh, it has been a poor two years. But hopefully now the tide is starting to turn and the tables will turn. Yeah, and so we'll break down uh, what, what the uh, Packers and the, you know, obviously being new, new head coaching staff there as well into next season, what they'll be looking at to try and improve uh, in, in the draft and, and free agency. But let's... Uh, Let's roll it back to the season in general. Green Bay, 6-9-1, uh, third in the north. Um, never actually won two games in a row this season, which was, uh, when I looked through the schedule, actually surprised me a little bit because you usually tend to associate the Green Bay Packers with, obviously, with success. So to not uh, not to get two two wins in a row there was slightly surprising. Uh, I, I assume that's the same case for you. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. The problem was we couldn't get any momentum going. There were a lot of injuries, but we just we had a really tough schedule as well. But that was the thing. We couldn't get this momentum going. We couldn't fire on a run. You know, Aaron Rodgers has said it in the previous few years, this whole relax or we're going to run the table. And this year we just couldn't do it. And the, the week one, it felt like Rodgers coming back, we was 20 to nothing down and we got the comeback win against our most uh, heated rival, the Bears week one. And it felt like we was really going to kick on from there. But I don't think he's ever been fit, uh, Rodgers, even though he's played a 16-game schedule. Uh, I don't think the knee's ever been in perfect health. I don't think he's... He should have really played on, but we, we gave him this massive deal in the off-season. And um, it was almost like we've paid him, we want to see him play. But in the long term, I don't know if that was the wisest move to play him for the whole season. And we should have, because we really thrown him out to the wolves and we could have made the injury a lot worse. And mm. this is going to be a massive off-season now with a, with a new head coach, a new some new front office positions and completely revamped staff, not just the head coaching. We've got a new coordinators across the board. The only coordinator that's been retained has been Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator, who I'm, I'm actually a really big fan of. But um, it's a massive, massive off-season for us. Yeah, absolutely. And to say, week one there, Randall Cobb, 75-yard touchdown uh, to break Bears' hearts. That was, uh, you know, kind of the old style of, of the Green Bay Packers, uh, what they always do to the, to the Chicago Bears. Um, that was their only division win of the season, though, which was also quite surprising. Um, and then the Minnesota uh, game week two uh, had it, it had its talking points, didn't it, with the, all the penalties and the, obviously that ended up in a tie. But that was a, a contentious game there in terms of refereeing calls. But yeah, Rogers. I was actually quite surprised 
that he had a 16-game uh, season. I, I could have sworn that he, he missed one or two, but obviously, yeah, down on the, on the stats there, had all 16 games. And coming off uh, 2017 with the, the collarbone issue there as well, Having having a few questions there, quarterback with the durability issues. Um, like I say, you paid him in the off season, so going into 20, 2019, 2020 season, you know, health is obviously going to be a big a big uh, must for Aaron Rodgers for any success for the Packers. But yeah, obviously his knee injury was was in week one and never really never really um, shrugged that off. No, I, I think it was so bad, that injury. I don't think we was ever told the complete um, seriousness of it, the severity of it, because he, he did play that 16-game schedule. But I believe it was one that really, it, it was it was so bad that he, he shouldn't have even played. And I think there's a couple of factors that went into that. He went down for last year. Brett Hundley obviously came in the season before, and we had, uh, I think we went 7-9 and nine or 9-7, nine and seven, and it wasn't good enough. And uh, he didn't want to miss another... But another season out really I think he really tried to play on he wants to be seen as a leader of the team and um, it just didn't quite it, it just didn't come off basically because at that time we got that week one win we were still in the hunt and I, they probably felt that this team could go somewhere so let's keep him in but mm. it wasn't the the right right thing to do but you can't write a season off that early and last year the, the previous season like I've mentioned everyone put down oh Green Bay's bad thing because oh we didn't have Rodgers you had Brett Hundley in at number two and then it was like well we, we still had Rodgers in for the 16 games because a lot of people can't believe he, he didn't actually miss a game yeah, yeah. and we still fell to this record and he, he did uh, there's no hiding or denying it he had an uncharacteristic uh, uncharacteristical bad year that he would say stats wise yeah. but this talk of him being past it or father times caught up to him I find it quite incredible I, not just because I'm a Green Bay fan or any player when we do it you know we saw it with Andrew Luck this whole writing off and now I've seen even Eagles fans you know possibly that they want Nick Foles and not Carson Wentz we, we're really quick to write off uh, players and teams we want this instant success almost as it were mm. and um, and people forget what they can do and if we shore up the O-line which is a, a big need in the off-season and draft and we have a few pieces in place and you know this new head coach and what scheme he will bring then you know Rogers, we've seen what he's capable of and hopefully it can only breed good things yeah, absolutely. If you look at Aaron Rodgers' stats as well, it's actually quite a funny one. 25 touchdowns and just the two interceptions, obviously, which is uh, which is good in terms of turnovers. But he actually had the second highest attempts of his career, 597, uh, completing 62.3% of those. Took 49 sacks also, which was the most since 2012. So that, I suppose that there encapsulates kind of the issues for, for Green Bay. You've got Aaron Rodgers there, you know, complete, throwing the most passes that he's done for, for a, you know, the second that's the second highest of his career uh, but he's taking the lots of sacks and lots of hits uh, and then that's why you're getting Aaron Rodgers like you did in in 2018 yeah i think that's the problem but sometimes you know i, I love fantasy and i love nfl with with we we get thrown so many stats and stats as much as i enjoyed him they don't tell the whole picture no. really and he, he was he was sacked a ridiculous amount but some of those sacks you know he, he doesn't want to force the turnover he doesn't mm. want to force the interception he doesn't want that loss for yards so he'd rather go down there and 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 the run game's been poor it's been particularly poor under mccarthy he had this whole 
he didn't want to run. He, he didn't want Aaron Jones to be the feature back, and there are another. There are a few number of reasons for this, but um, and that that was a problem. And, and when you have a team where we were, we were going behind very quickly in games. You you start having to throw because you're, you're you're almost playing catch up. Yeah. So we can't. We we never could do game management where we could run down the clock because we was almost scores behind and we needed quick touchdowns. We was almost going into two minute drills. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they say, like Mike McCarthy there, like you say, we're fired on week 13 uh, with a 4-7-1 record of, in the season. Yeah, yeah. Joe Philbin obviously took over, was 2-2, two, was two and two, but the kind of the season was, um, what should we say, less than dicey at that point. Anyway, do you maybe want to just want to sum up Mike McCarthy's tenure in his, was it 13, 13 seasons there? Obviously unlucky for, for him, but, um, you know, this season, four, there were 14, uh, 14th out of 32 points per game-wise, 23.5 points. Um, yeah, I kind of like a Mike McCarthy leaving. As it's like when your kids have moved out. Not that I've got kids, but like when your kids have moved out and the parents are finally thinking, you know, the parents being the fans thinking, oh, finally that they've moved out. And are you, are you kind of excited about what the future holds for Green Bay? Or, uh, you know, I, I assume I assume that your opinion in Green Bay was that Mike McCarthy needed to go. Well, no, I actually, it's a great analogy. It's like, yeah, the kids have left, and you're like, oh, great, we've got some space, but then you're going to miss them. And I, I'm a big believer of we're going to miss McCarthy. I think time will. Uh, look fondly on him and I think time history will be very kind to him and his legacy and we've like I said we're very quick to moan and want new change I think I think sometimes change can be great and it can be a blessing and things can get stale in an organization you know that we need something fresh we need regalvanizing re-energizing but let's not forget Mick McCarthy like I said we had nine years in the playoffs and he won a Super Bowl and he sort of as soon as it goes wrong, there has to be a full guy. And unfortunately, it was him. And it's very interesting. People put Mark, Mike, uh, Mike McCarthy down to, he's not a great offensive genius. He's plays. Aaron Rodgers wanted to call the plays. He's he, he never come up with these new concepts. It's the same old thing. Defences have adapted to it. But if we compare that just to Sean Payton, who I, who I really like, and I think he's a brilliant coach and the, and the Saints. But if we look at their record, so Sean Payton... Uh, five division titles, seven playoff appearances, one Super Bowl, four losing seasons. Mm. Uh, Mike McCarthy, six division titles, nine playoff appearances, one Super Bowl, and only three losing seasons. And yet one of them is heralded as this offensive uh, genius. And Mike McCarthy is like, oh, he needed to go. He's plays a role. So it's very funny that uh, his he stats, almost, like I say, the stats don't show for it. His stats are better, but yet there's a completely different opinion on the two. And we always forget that Sean Payton and the Saints had three straight losing seasons yeah, yeah. where they went seven to nine. Mm. That would never, that was, ne- that would never be allowed in Green Bay. Like the the Packers fans are so strong on Twitter and and all over that Mike McCarthy's out the door. So Sean Payton was allowed to really put it right after three years, after finally a good draft class and free agency. Now we're seeing the the the, um, the Saints the force that they are, but. We're seeing now, even without Mike McCarthy, and we'll see next year. This, how is it? Was it the holds on the roster? Because as much as also, uh, I think that Ted Thompson needs to be heralded, you know, and, and the the stuff that he done. We're seeing how bad a shape that this roster is in, and it will take time. And 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 Mike McCarthy can only coach what what he has in front of him. There's only so much you can only get so much out of the players that are in front of you. Mm. So, and he, he's the, sorry, I know I'm rambling. He's the only coach that I've ever known. Yeah, so, yeah. to me, he won a Super Bowl, nine playoff, super, super Bowl, um, nine playoff appearances. So, 
I, I think he's sad the way that he was pushed out. But yeah, change, change was needed. But I don't like the sort of almost, oh, he wasn't great. He wasn't good. And even to the point where Brands fans were like, oh, we don't want Mike McCarthy coming over here. I'm like, mm. wow, you're turning down a, a Super Bowl winning head coach. It's, yeah. it's quite crazy, really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's recency bias, isn't it? Um, yeah, it doesn't take long for someone to for the tide to turn on head coaches or or, you know, or even on players. But so yeah, Matt Lafleur obviously joining Green Bay uh, from Tennessee Titans. Who he was there last year, obviously with the Rams as well. Before that, uh, Lafleur with the Titans last season, their offense was twenty fifth in the NFL. Are you, are you excited with Lafleur? Yeah, I think you have to be because I think with all head coaching changes and any coordinator changes, only time will tell because the best ones and the certain names you know we get excited like Bruce Arians and other coaches like oh it's going to be great and then it could be really bad it all depends on personnel and stuff until next year but the one thing I am is, is really optimistic hopefully we're seeing this new we're seeing a lot of RPO run play action in the NFL late in this whole new um, offensive geniuses the almost the Sean McVay blueprint and hopefully he's, he's another guy that sort of comes from that tree and he's just as good but what one thing that from researching about him apparently he's well respected as a man and well respected as a coach and we need to have this certain amount of accountability we keep hearing it with the green bay packers that people take plays off and because they there was a lot of complacency in the organization and when you when you have so many playoff appearances on the on the bounce people expect almost greatness like you said there's this pressure with green bay but if, if you're not doing your job we need to have a much more ruthless side and hopefully he will be holding players even aaron Rodgers and Devontae adams to this high standard now so i'm i'm i'm, I'm hopeful mm. Yeah, and of course, the, the, the relationship between Lafleur and uh, Rodgers, especially with the way Rodgers uh, kind of holds himself, I suppose, will be under the microscope a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of work things out because Aaron Rodgers obviously likes to kind of take control and, and, and do, do what he does best. But uh, let's look at the other pieces there. Let's see what Matt Lafleur has to work with at the running back position. Obviously, maybe another reason Mike McCarthy was shown the door was that he took a bit of time uh, to 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 give Aaron Jones kind of that backfield. I know he was suspended for the first couple of games of the season, um, and obviously you've got the Jamal Williams slash Aaron Jones kind of argument for the first couple of weeks that they were both in tandem. Surely, surely Aaron Jones is is the guy there. He has to be the guy there, yeah. He has to be the number one running back. He's got a great style, almost like, like a slasher type. He can really, really split between the defences. And yeah, I think he was leading the way in yards yards after contact or yards before contact. He's, he's a really great running back, and I want to give him the reins. But Jamal Williams does a lot of the dirty work and the hard yards that people don't notice. He's great in yeah. pass protection, and he's great as a blocker. And when Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers does have the ability to call plays at the line of scrimmage and mix it up and then he wants to go to a pass play we needed that extra insurance there with Jamal Williams so there is there is a case for him but yeah um, Aaron Jones should should be leading away and hopefully that will change under the floor but there is a case for Williams that's for sure yeah just to compare so um, uh, Jamal Williams yeah, they both started, game started here on, uh, as per pro football reference, both started eight games, uh, quite similar attempts actually, 133 there for Aaron Jones, 121 for Jamal Williams. Uh, like I said, Jamal Williams is more of a, of a, more of a blocker, so you know, this is probably why you can explain the, the difference in yardage here, but Aaron Jones, 5.5 yards per attempt, 728 yards, eight touchdowns uh, on the ground. Jamal Williams, 121 attempts, 464 yards, three touchdowns, which is an average of 3.8. But like you say, those numbers can be slightly deceiving, I suppose, but it just shows that Aaron Jones is, is the punisher and Jamal Williams is kind of the, you say, he does the groundwork to, to allow Aaron Jones to explode through those holes. 
Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with a running back by committee. We've seen how well it works for Ingram and Kamara. So, you know, give let them have plays off and, and stay as fresh as possible. But if, if we're talking who will be RB1, it, it has to be Jones. And we ha- and we have to play him like that. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, to take on into to next season fantasy-wise, he should probably be... Uh, what? Where, where would you take Aaron Jones in fantasy? Tough, because he's he's not in the elite through of the Saquons and the McCaffreys and Kamaras and Zeeks, you know, he, he falls just under, but and, and especially with the the mystery of of Lafleur's offence, we don't know how he's gonna be used, we don't know how well he's gonna fit into it. So I wouldn't I wouldn't overreach for him, but no. we know that if, if he is gonna be the main uh carrier then he can get the points, but yeah. he, he he's just short of the elite bracket, so I wouldn't reach too too soon. No. Somewhere somewhere in the third, fourth round maybe? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Right, okay. Someone that's sort of going to go in the probably in the back end of the first, if not the uh, definitely in the second. Devontae Adams. What season he had again? No matter what happens uh, elsewhere in that team, Devontae Adams seems to to come up with the come up with a good career high in receptions, career, uh, with 111 career high yards, 1386 touchdowns, 13. Um, he's had the most plays of 20 plus yards and 40 plus yards as well, and first down catches. So. Um, despite all the turmoil there behind the scenes with, with Aaron Rodgers and maybe the run game and, and what have you, Devontae Adams is just one of the elite elite guys at wide receiver. He is, but yet people are still sleeping on him. When when you say those stats and then if you were to say, oh, pick, give people a multiple choice answer, they never pick Devontae Adams. And if you, you, you know, we do this thing, don't we, as fans, we compare like, oh, who's better, Phelan or Adams or Diggs and Adams? And you're doing people, people never pick Devontae Adams but his stats show for it and the game show for it he's he's also leading the way on out routes uh, grade he's 128.8 he has 36 touchdowns over the last three years which leads the way he, he's incredible he's he's a safe pair of hands his route running is phenomenal it, it just it surprises me that he's not He's not in that bracket of the Hopkins brand, uh, Antonio Brand. People do not talk about him in this in this uh, conversation, which completely surprises me. And the sad thing is, like I said, I can't really speak about it because people go, oh, you're just saying because you're a Green Bay fan. But I try to be as unbiased as possible to every single player. And for me, Adams should be the star that we're always talking about. If you just watch his reel, he... Um, He's the only one that put up 100 yards on Darius Slade this year. He's always he's the only non-quarterback player who scored at least 15 points a game in fantasy. Yeah. And you would have never have put that on Adams' name, would you? You'd, you would have maybe gone for Hopkins or Brown first. So it's, it's, it's incredible. It's just what he's done the last few years. And even when GB have had two poor years, to still put up these numbers is nothing short of phenomenal. No, I mean coming to the season uh, in the, on uh, the hot takes pod hit on the hot takes episode, uh, I actually had Devontae Adams will be the wide receiver one. So um, it's fair to say that I was I was quite high coming on, on Adams coming into the yeah. season. I was quite happy to mop him up in the early second round um, when other people say we're taking Hopkins and or, you know not saying Hopkins is is isn't, isn't better than uh, than Adams. You know they're still in, they're in the same bracket. I suppose is the point I'm trying to get across here. But yeah, I'm I'm a big Adams fan and um, yeah should should no I, reason. Yeah, why I, I wouldn't say that um, Adams he's better but he, he, he's never in that conversation yeah, you know if you yeah, see yeah. Twitter polls or things if they talk about top five receivers top eight he doesn't even seem to make it which yeah. to me is, is crazy yeah no absolutely and obviously this was a season where Jordan, no more Jordan Nelson the security blanket for uh, Aaron Rodgers not not so security blanket but he, he was the go-to guy wasn't he and um, so it was always going to be interesting to see if the question was could, could Devante Adams step up in, into that role when I think he emphatically said yes he can 
let's look at the other the other uh, periphery pieces there for Green Bay. You, you drafted three wide receivers going into into this season. Uh, Valdez Scantlin, fifth round, seven to seventy three. Uh, targets 38 receptions which is not a great percentage there uh, 581 yards two touchdowns uh, Equinemia St. Brown sixth round pick uh, 21 receptions there on 36 targets 328 um, 20, 28 yards yeah you had Cobb and Allison going down for points in the season as well um, and obviously the, the odd man out here Jamon Moore he was taken in the fourth round uh, I think he only had like one or two catches which was a, a, a bit strange but uh, I suppose both of the well, at least two of those have got to step up next season yeah, I really hope so. I mean, like you said, with Moore, he he was taken higher than Valdis Scantlin and uh, EQ uh, Brown. With we have the best named receivers surely in the league. But um, yeah, no, he, he he had a poor training camp. He had a few drops. And um, Rogers, there was this whole thing when he they said that he was sort of not calling out his receivers. They didn't know the routes. They clearly weren't watching the film. They weren't doing their homework. And I don't know if you would have seen Rodgers in games this year when he when he's on the move and he's being mobile and he's being that dual threat. He was he was pointing at his receivers almost where to go. So he hasn't got the chemistry, like you said, that he had with uh, Nelson for years and Cobb for years. He's always had those safety blankets where they knew each other's games inside and out. They knew where that player was heading before they even ran that route themselves. So hopefully with another off-season, another training camp, and you always hear with the draft prospects that they have this, the, the first year in the NFL is very alien to them. They, they can't quite cope with the game speed and the strength and they have this second year leap. And, we, and not only we hope they have that leap, they need to have that leap because we are really quite thin at wide receiver and we, we could be in a few weeks hearing of Cobb being uh, let go due to salary cap and whatnot. So hopefully, but it just showed you, you know, with Devontae Adams, him turning up as a number one receiver, that was why they let Jordy Nelson go. So none of these decisions are ever taken lightly. They clearly know what they're doing because they knew what they had in uh, Devontae Adams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I say, yeah, I, I think they'll come on. I think they, they play bit parts and like I say, you, you're going to get teething problems, aren't you, with the... Especially the amount of wide receivers that they draft as well. Maybe if it's one or maybe one or two, maybe they could uh, be a bit more focused on on those, maybe than rather than spreading it out. But so uh, that that's a quite a nice segue before we round it off in, into the off season. What areas does does Matt Lafleur and, and say the the new coaching staff there need to need to address in the off season? Uh, we we have a few needs. Uh, we need a pass rusher. We 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 don't have a pass rusher whatsoever. We're getting no production out of Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, even though. Uh, I think we were tied for eight for the most sacks last year. And uh, uh, Fackrell, he got over 10 sacks, which was brilliant. But we really need a pass rush. We, we, we're short at safety after trading Ha-Ha, Clinton and Dix. And Kentrell Bryce hasn't really lived up to it. We need linebacker and we have to shore the offensive line. Whether Hopefully, um, uh, we've got a new GM. He's only This will be second year into the job. Brian Gudekunst, who uh, he, he has a much more aggressive way than Ted Thompson, who is a very much a draft and develop guy. So if we can get a few of those needs addressed in free agency, then we can really focus on the other needs in the draft because a lot of people also for Green Bay, why I'm hopeful for next year, we have two first round picks. So yeah, yeah. that's never something to be sniffed at. So it should be exciting times. Yeah, yeah. obviously picking up that extra first round pick there from the New Orleans Saints from last year who picked up Marcus Davenport. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. So obviously that's uh, that's the Green Bay season. So looking ahead to the off season in, in twenty in twenty nineteen twenty twenty season, what's the what's the one words that you'd put towards all, all the fans? How, how should they be going into the season for next season? Yeah. Uh, optimistic is my, is my one word. My one word answer for you. But yeah, just very optimistic, very hopeful because. 
like I said, I don't think we're a team that needs a complete rebuild or a complete reboot. We have the players and we, we have a terrible record, but people may may say that I'm, I'm talking nonsense or deny this, but two games we actually ran close. The two Super Bowl finalists, we, we could have beat uh, the Rams in LA if it wasn't for that Montgomery fumble. We was only two behind. Mm. We only needed a field goal. And we ran the Pats close and we had a chance to win there. So I'm not saying that we're a playoff kind of a team, but we're, we're, we're not as far away as maybe uh, people on the outside think. No, no and I That's what the, I tell myself, anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, obviously the thing going against Green Bay is the the, the, the uprising of Chicago. Minnesota is a, a tough one to beat as well. I think they had an underpass season, uh, and we say they are covered on the podcast as well, all of these teams. But yeah, I mean, it should be, should be an interesting division next season. Um, and say so Green Bay would, again, like we said at the top of the programme, will be expected to, to at least you know, challenge for a playoff place, if not... Um, get to maybe get to the divisional round or the, or the championship game like they are every year but Charlie I think that's going to round us off quite nicely there for Green Bay thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me last up on the NFC North is the Detroit Lions joining us to talk all things Lions is Rob Wastney you can get him on Twitter at Rob Wastney uh, Rob, thank you so much for, for joining us to talk Lions. It was actually very hard to, to find some Lions fans wanting to talk about their season. I'm not sure if that's reflective of their of their new head coach, but uh, thanks for thanks for popping on. Yeah, no problems. It's, uh, I find it certainly hard to find Lions fans even when you're down in Wembley. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, let, let's 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 get deep into it. Obviously, six and ten record last season. Uh, obviously, fourth uh, in the North. It's a, it, I mean, it's a tough division. So six and ten, you know, was never going to cut anyway. But coming into the season, obviously, Matt Patricia, the, uh, the new head coach, coming over from New England. What were your expectations from him uh, going into into the season? Obviously, it's his first head coaching job. Uh, obviously, well, highly highly regarded. I don't know if that's more because of his uh, appearance with his his cap and pencil. But so, what were what were your expectations going into the season? Well, I'm going to be disappointed with this season. It's been it's it's been disappointing, hasn't it? Really. Um, I mean, going into the season, we kind of had a relatively good season. We had Jim Bob Gooch seemed to be on fire with Matt, uh, Matt Stafford. Um, although that didn't seem to pan out either over this year, it, just, it didn't seem to click as well as it has the season before. Whether that's scheme changes that the other teams going through or teething problems, it's, it's hard to say. But on the whole, I had expected more. I mean, he went from one hand, he kind of like beat the Patriots and uh, you know, doing the double over Green Bay, and right to the other hand, the, the hot mess that was against the Jets. Mm. And, yeah, it's, mm. it's just inconsistency through the whole thing, really. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they had six wins during the season, but obviously not able to put back-to-back wins together. Obviously, the highlight there in week three with the win uh, against the Patriots, I think it was on Sunday Night Football, wasn't it? Um, obviously, yeah, I, I don't know if you... Well, obviously, one and two at that point. But yeah, I mean, like I say, some some really good wins. Uh, I mean, the Packers weren't the Packers really of, of old, but obviously to get two division wins against them home and away is uh, something that they've not really done recently uh, in recent years. Um, yeah, and they say some some losses there, obviously at Buffalo, um, and, and some you know, like I say against the Jets there in week, in week one as well. Is that is that mainly down to Matt Patricia and, and trying to install a new type of offense? Because it, you know, it's, it's a Detroit Lions team that usually have relied on Matthew Stafford over the you know ever since he came into the league. Uh, from 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 drafting him way back when. Now, I mean, he's nearly been in the league. What? How many? Eight years or so? Which is crazy. Time flies. But you know, you drafted Kieran Johnson in 2018, uh, and obviously Frank Rag now as well. Um, is is this just a case of transitioning to to a more of a run game? Yeah, it's really hard to say. It was 
on the one hand that yeah we did underperform, but we did see a marked improvement in the running back position. We carry on Johnson; he was on fire. There were well, admittedly some injury issues, but uh, things we brought in like Garrett Blunt, he just didn't seem to kind of like uh, perform as well as he had with the season before with the Patriots, with the Eagles. Um, it was just that inconsistent with the running game, but Kerryon Johnson was definitely a high spot. However, we just didn't. I personally, I kind of put attribute that to the the, the uh, offensive coordinator Jim Marcuta. He just kind of didn't seem to click. He wasn't kind of like firing with the deep shots quite as much as he had done previously with the you know, previously years. So they had kind of relied more on the running game. Mm. But then, you know, we had a sort of like a definite drop in the quality of the passing game and yeah. in the short to medium areas. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things you can probably attribute to that, but so just a word on Matthew Stafford. Obviously, looking at his stats, gradual decline over the last seven years. Um, last season was career lows in yards, attempts, and and completions when starting all 16 games. Part of that might have been, you know, the 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 trade away of, of Golden Tate to the Philadelphia Eagles, and I say, you know, drafting Kieran Johnson, Frank Rag now to to transition to to a run game. So it might be just the case of, you know, the, the, it's not really something that. Stafford and that offense is maybe used to uh, to doing so. You know, maybe it'd be it'd be seen in a better light coming into into twenty nineteen. But yeah, I mean, another trade that, that Detroit did over the season uh, was to was trade for uh, snacks Damian Harrison uh, to help versus the run because uh, that's, that's an area they've they've also struggled obviously since they got rid of Sue uh, a couple of years ago. Do do you think that Matt Patricia you know installing maybe a run a run offense and, and and kind of a defensive kind of outset in in terms of game plan do you, do you think that's the way forward um you know do you, do you think that's the way they're going to get success or do you think they sh- they should put it back to to Matthew Stafford you've got to go for combination really i mean you can't me you know, the lines over the last, the last few years have kind of been one dimensional with passing games it, you know people knew what to expect from the lions and that you know Stafford's going to sling it so we did need to develop that run game Yes, we did, you know, did carry on Johnson, did that, that 100-yard games. Um, but it's it's really kind of tricky to kind of get that all balanced. I mean, with regards to Damon Harrison, um, you know, run, stopping the run was something we really struggled with for like the first half of the season. Uh, so, you know, you bring you know, Harrison in and, you know, we immediately kind of like saw a marked improvement across the whole of the defensive, you know, the defensive line. Sorry. Mm. Um yeah, we had some good proper golf focus reviews on um, yeah on either side of him as well with uh, so like Deshaun Hand and Shaun Robinson, kind of like all defensive linemen grading very highly, you know, along, you know, along the front. Mm. So was, yeah, there's a lot of optimism there with that line. Um, one of the things that we kind of have to kind of be aware of is kind of like we you have know, Ziggy Anza. I mean, we franchise tagged him this year, and again we've had like current injury problems. Yeah. And I personally just can't see them moving forward with him. You know, even if he unless he wants to sound like a bargain, you know, bargain contract with us, that I can't see them reinvesting kind of like the money that he's going to want to expect. Yeah, I mean, this was a defense apart, apart from Zigans that was actually quite healthy, wasn't it? Uh, which is unusual for for Detroit. Usually, they have Nichols there in the back. But you know, last was it last six games I got in front of me here. They, they I think they only conceded. Uh, 25 points w- once over the last six or seven games. So, you know, f- towards the end of the season, the, the defence tied up a little bit. It was just a case of maybe the offence maybe not having as, as many weapons as they as they needed to to get the, the job done. But one one bright spark, obviously, Kenny Golladay, 
uh, recent draft pick as well. I think it was second round uh, last year. I, th- I think it was. But is he? Does he need some help? Obviously, you have got Marvin Jones there as well, but you know, not, not much in terms of tight end. Is is it, is that an area of need going into the free agency in twenty nineteen in, in the draft wide receiver? Yeah, uh, wide receiver going into the draft. I'm, I'm not entirely sure whether they're going to go wide, you know, wide receiver straight off the bat. See what kind of values there. Yeah. Uh, obviously, although I can, you know, the, the tight end positions is a, is just a mess at the moment. So I can see them using. I know we had the issues with Eric Ebron. We're using. It got a lot of slate in the Detroit media for being the first round pick and never really living up to the expectations. Yeah. The position. Is of that much of a desperation? I could quite easily see them kind of using that high draft pick for one of the. It is like as from understanding is like a strong tight end draft class. Mm. Um, so I can really see them kind of going for that first round pick on a tight end again. Mm. Um, how that's kind of reflected in the media again as to whether we kind of have the same problems again, I don't know. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, there's quite a few positions of need. Uh, in regards to the uh, the wide receiver. I'm not entirely convinced they'll use such a high draft pick, maybe like a couple of lower round picks, and they'll look to free agency to see what they can do to bolster bolster that position. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, from the rumours, you know, Golden Tate's yet to sign his you know, contract over with the Eagles, and it's not seems to be working on anything. So there's a possibility Golden Tate is free agency again. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Just a word on Eric Gibron, um, Rob, is... Was it? Was it, I suppose it was frustrating to see. You know, the, the amount you could see from his talent when he was even at Detroit that it, it was there. It just couldn't. You know, either the coaching staff couldn't get the best out of him, or you know, he wasn't being used to his his full abilities like he was in, in Indianapolis. Was it quite frustrating to see as a as a Detroit Lions fan? Um, to be honest, I kind of knew it um, because his time at the Colts is generally his stats, his catch percent, yeah, percentages. He's actually gone down from his time in Detroit. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they were utilising him, but every drop he made in Detroit, he was kind of like sounded down. So, mm. I think it comes a point where you kind of you got the press and the media on your back so much, and he just kind of it turns it toxic, and he wants to leave. He was sick of it, mm. yeah, and that's kind of how it went. But the mm. talent has always been there. I don't think he's really done anything different that he wasn't doing in Detroit for the Colts. Mm. You know, obviously, Andrew looks to utilise them a little bit more than Stafford's done uh, with regards to you know the wide receiver options he's had. He's spread the ball a little bit more than what Andrew Luck's done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a he runs a talent, mm. and it's yeah, it's a big loss. But I think it's kind of turned toxic towards the end of his career in Detroit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so just to, again, mention, obviously, free agency and draft this year, we mentioned, obviously, on offence. Is there is there anything particularly, are you happy with the defence? You know, this is a defence that was 10 best, 10th best in, in terms of yards given up, uh, middle of the pack in terms of points. Are you, are you happy with the way the defence was playing or do you need about maybe a bit of depth uh, on maybe on the line or... Is there any playmakers? Obviously, you've got Darius Slay, and say you've got Snacks Harrison, and you know Ziggy Ansah's obviously had these injury troubles. Is, it, is there anyone else they need to add on defense, or is it primarily uh, on offense they need to focus yeah. in, in the draft? No, we need to work on defense. Um, with regards to so like um, you know the line, it all depends on really what Ziggy Ansah is going to do. If he does sign that contract with us or renews it, they'll probably bounce down the edge, edge, edge rushers there. Be a bit a little bit further down the draft. I can't see them taking one, whether they keep him or not, because of those injury issues. Um, safety we're pretty good at. Um, even when they say uh, we have kind of left, left ourselves in a really good 
position where we kind of like up and coming skills. We've got Andre Diggs and uh, Tristan Walker's done really well for us uh, on his rookie year. Um, I can see them bringing in like you know, like I said, if they're not going to take a tight end, I can see them either using it on that edge if we do lose Anza, or also uh, another corner opposite Darius Slay uh, to compete with uh, Nevin Lawson. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then looking looking a bit further at field to that into the 2019 season. So obviously Jim Bolkut has uh, is, is gone at OC. Darren Be- Daryl Bevel was in, who's uh, previously coached uh, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre in the you know, five seasons at Minnesota. He had uh, as well offenses always ranked uh, in the top half of rushing. So you know he had players like uh, Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch at Seattle. Now has Kieran Johnson to to kind of get his teeth stuck into as well. Do we do we? kind of see that as an indication that they're going to continue with the run game and, and what do you think maybe Daryl Bevel can can do that that, pre, that Jim called Bob Cooter maybe couldn't do with the running game? Again, it's really hard to kind of, kind of know. I think that they are going to be looking to do a balanced approach in the upcoming seasons. I think that's kind of how he sold his, uh, his interview. Um, I do think they're going to be utilising carry on, but I don't think they're going to be using it exclusively from. So for fantasy purposes, I'd probably say yeah, carry on. Just he's going to have some great games, but I think he's probably going to bring in another running back and use him on committee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Lego Le- Le- Blunt's a free agent as well. I don't really see him. You know, he might sign somewhere. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, like last few years in the draft, though, you know, they, they've 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 built through the trenches, haven't they? Um, so I, I can kind of see. The, the the intentions of the Lions maybe wanting to get to a run game and might, might also indicate why Stafford's numbers have gradually you know, dropped uh, over over the last couple of years. But it's a, it's a tough division, Rob, isn't it? Um, obviously, you know, Packers, Vikings, and obviously the Bears coming to the fore last season as well. What what do the Detroit Lions need to do first and foremost to to, to be competitive? Now I know you know they were six and ten last season, which isn't the worst record in, in the world, but you know it's it's going to be an unforgiving division, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's always a hard weekend. It'll be a tough division. You know, like I say, playing Aaron Rodgers twice a year. Um, you know, the Vikings, you know, always never know what they're going to kind of like bring. So they're generally uh, very good on the outside uh, defensively. They've got some good receivers. Uh, the, the, the Bears, you know, yeah, they had a massive leap in performance. Um, obviously, bringing in Khalil Mack as well, really solid, you know, firmed up their defense. Um, the question is, can they maintain it? Obviously, Mitch Trubisky is still relatively young and in his career. It's whether he's going to progress or whether he's going to plateau out. Um, obviously, I'm hoping for the latter. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, we have, it's, it's a, the piece is there. There's a lot of work to do for the Lions. Mm. Yeah, there's no doubt. It all depends on their... Yeah. I think a lot of the problems for the Detroit Lions last season was, yeah, the you know Jim Bob Cooter. He did take a lot of responsibility. We did see that regression in the passing. Sure, we had some improvements on the run, uh, but it came at an expense. Um, I'm kind of hoping for that, that that balance again and get a better, you know, better consistency with Bevel. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, we'll finish off with this. Obviously, what what do you expect of second season for Matt Patricia? Can you see him? Yeah, if, if results don't kind of get better. I mean, this is a team last season that averaged 20, just over 20 points per game, which was 25th in the NFL out of the 32 teams, and they weren't much better in terms of total yards gained as well. What, what do you want to see from Patricia uh, on, on terms of the, on the offence and, and defence? Well, is it just a case of, in terms of, um, you know, for next year's accomplishments, do, do you just want them to be competitive or are you, are you expecting there to be there or thereabouts in terms of playoff uh, wildcard credentials? You always want to see that, really, don't you? Is the, um, 
realistic expectations. I want obviously I want to see improvement over this year. Obviously, another year to kind of you know keep this system in. Um, so he's going to have more time to kind of work with the players. They know what they expect. We did see kind of like improvements as we went along. Uh, with regards to that, with regards to stopping the run, is whether we can utilise it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy. I'm optimistic, but at the same time, it's kind of grounded uh, because there's a lot of tough competition in the uh, NFC North, and uh, yeah, he's still empty and can pick it up there. Mm. So there is no one walk away that's going to happen. Was that you know, last year? I would never put money on the Bears sort of taking that division. Yeah. Yeah, and just let's just have a hypothetical to, to end this off. Say Matt Patricia doesn't get off to the great starts in 2019. Do you think he'll be given the time to, to meet you know, you know, a couple of years down the line? If if things aren't going too well, do you reckon he'll be given the chance to, to turn it around and you know install what he wants to bring into the team? Yeah, I do. Um, obviously, Matt Patricia yeah, essentially used to share an office with Bob Quinn, our GM, um, over at the Patriots. Uh, as you understand it, good friends previously. Um uh, even the, the cynical part of me thinks like the hire is a bit of a boys club mm. uh, when I was first hired up in obviously they knocked out him talents there um, but I think that kind of like that familiarity with him and the GM and our previous sort of careers um, it'll kind of give him that extra leeway I also have to keep in mind that with regards to you know Matt Stafford Bob, sorry with um uh, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia they've kind of all kind of got the contracts lined up together mm. so if we're going to kind of get them all they're going to be kind of contracted uh, yeah. yeah they're going to be leaving together yeah yeah I mean it's, it's amazing what you who can get a job depending on, on who you know just ask a, a, any disciple of Sean McVeigh, isn't it but so, yeah it'd be interesting to see what Matt Patricia does or if he changes anything up in his second season but Rob uh, thank you so much for, for joining us to talk a bit of Lions and, and I'll say I hope they uh, they fare a bit better than they than they did last season. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's like I say, it's, it's, it's the optimism's there. It all depends on the, the weaknesses that they've got. They've got quite a few key weaknesses and hopefully we can get some of them filled in the draft and free agency. So we're, we're quite decent with the cap space, so hopefully we'll get some strong pieces. Mm. Yeah, certainly maybe a lot of a lot of uh, transactions going off in, in free agency and of course the draft as well. But yeah, Rob, I uh, really appreciate you coming on and, and, and talking Lions. No problem, it's my pleasure. Ta. NFC North all done and dusted for you there. So thanks to Martin, Paul, Charlie and Rob for helping put that all together. I hope you enjoyed them. Been a lot of work going into these and the last one tomorrow for the exit interview series will be the NFC West. Lee will be taking good care of you there. So I hope you can join him for that. If not, we'll be back on Tuesday. We'll be talking about one storyline for each NFC team with a very special guest indeed. But that's going to wrap it up for today's podcast. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.